Welcome to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding, Nurturing Miracles, a podcast dedicated to the unique challenges and joys of parenting medically complex kids. Each week, we'll engage in discussions relevant to all parents navigating their children's illnesses. I'm your host, Megan Pa, a lactation consultant and mom to a medically complex child, here to share insights and support on this nurturing journey. Hi guys, and welcome back to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding Nurturing Miracles. This is the podcast where we talk about all things baby wearing and breastfeeding, specifically tailored to medically complex kids, but this is also very applicable to children who are going through bouts of illness. My name is Megan Pa, and I am your host, and today we are joined by Jacqueline Kinser. She is an international board-certified lactation consultant and also the owner of Holistic Lactation. So Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I would love to hear because I've never heard your story about what drove you to get interested in lactation and kind of how you came into it. Do you, can you start off by sharing that with us? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Megan. I'm so excited that you have this podcast because I just had somebody who's a listener of mine write in the other day and say that she wanted to know about other breastfeeding podcasts that I would recommend. So now I can say yours, which is awesome. Um, But yeah, I, I got my start because I was working in the corporate world in finance and I had a baby and things were a lot different than I thought they were going to (laughs) be. So basically, you know, I took a birth class, I had the birth plan, I kind of switched around with care providers because I just kept not being happy with them. You know, I thought I had done all the right things. I even took a breastfeeding class, right? Like I should be so prepared. Mm, Yeah, definitely not. So (laughs) the other thing was that I saw um, a pediatrician who was also an IBCLC. I did see an IBCLC in the hospital, but neither of those people was able to help me get a good latch, help me understand why latching was so painful, why my nipples were so damaged, why my baby was, you know, exhibiting these other complaints that, you know, he was gaining weight just fine. And, you know, that's kind of everyone, that's what people cared about, right? So um, I just started looking for answers while I was on my maternity leave. And, joined La Leche League, went to some meetings, and that was the first time I'd ever heard that it wasn't normal for breastfeeding to be painful. But by that point, I was like six weeks in and thinking, well, it is painful and no one's been able to help me. So screw all y'all. Like I'm not, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about this. I was just really skeptical, but I was still breastfeeding and I didn't, I mean, I tried all these things, you know, I'm reading blog articles and you know, this is 10 years ago. So we didn't have, you know, the stuff on social media like we do now. And there were Facebook groups, but I just, you know, started, you know, looking for other mom friends. I didn't have friends who had babies yet and kind of created a mom's group, joined some mom's groups. And I kept going despite things not being that great and that comfortable. And he was gaining weight, so it was fine. But then I never really stopped researching and looking for answers. So I took off more time from my job. There was no way that I felt like I could go back at 12 weeks. It just was, I I don't know. I was not ready for that. Like it was, it was too much. Uh, And then I never stopped researching. So I got more involved with La Leche League. I became a leader. Um, I took a class to get certified to teach breastfeeding classes. And then I got a taste of that. And I was like, okay, I need to do more. So I decided to become an IBCLC. 
I love that story. Um, I didn't know that you were a La Leche League leader. I am too. Um, yeah, but I, I did the, um, I was an LC before an IBCLC. So then I went from just a lactation consultant and then got, became a Leche League leader and then took the examination to be a board certified lactation consultant. So that's cool. I, I love that. Cause I think, I, I don't know what percentage, but probably so many women who are lactation consultants get into this because of exactly what you said. Like we had our first babies and we struggled like crazy. And we were like, there has to be a better way to do this. So oh, yeah. that's such, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that. Cause that's so true. One of the things that I really wanted to delve into was um, specifically how breastfeeding can be beneficial for um, mom and baby when our kids are sick. And so, I mean, you know, we're definitely talking about um, kids that might be going through medical complexities, but breastfeeding is great for the common cold or flu or, you know, my heavens, like COVID, we just, you know, are went through and are going through. So um, can we talk a little bit about how like breast milk changes in composition um, when a child is sick? Because do you know, I see so many patients come into the office that know that breastfeeding is good for their babies because they've heard it, but they really don't know how, like they don't know the specifics of why they just know that it's a good thing to do. You know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. no, it's real. it's really true. Right. You know, they, they, they have the basics enough to decide, okay, yes, that's what I want to do. Give my child breast milk. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it's, it's really important because breast milk is so incredible. Like when you truly understand what it is and, and it's not a judgment call or anything like that, but yeah. I really just tell people like you cannot compare breast milk to formula though. They're, they're two very, very different things. They do one thing that's the same and the rest of it is completely different and that's you know nutrition right so which isn't quite the same either but what i try to start with is you know that breast milk is a living tissue it is alive it is thriving with all these living cells and that's why it's so adaptable and dynamic so whether or not we're talking about immune components right breast milk changes constantly. So when we study breast milk, we have to study a lot of breast milk from a lot of different people from a lot of different times of day with a lot of different factors because it's going to vary, right? There's no one like, you know, that's not a nutrition facts label, you know, this much vitamin C and this much, you know, like that's not how it works. So, I mean, there's some averages, but, you know, from even the beginning of the feeding to the end of the feeding, Right. And most people know that because they might have heard about hind milk and four milk, which mm -hmm. don't get me started, but please don't get hung up on that, folks. Like, you know, it just it's like you take sips of water during your meal. Right. Like you don't have the same thing throughout the entire meal. Well, neither does your baby. And I think this comes this whole four milk, hind milk thing and just looking at the differences of breast milk comes from kind of basing our analysis of that on formula, which is the same. It's the yeah. same from beginning to the end. It's the same from every feeding. So, you know, the the milk fat ratio, all of that changes. The temperature changes. Like if your baby is nursing at the breast, let's say you're nursing twins. They've done studies on this, right? Uh, the, you know, baby on the left side versus the right side, they could have different temperature milk depending on their own body temperature. I mean, it's 
it's incredible, right? Your body senses so many things and we don't even know exactly how it senses that. We know there's maybe some saliva feedback loop, but you know, there's other things that our body is able to sense outside of just, you know, the breast tissue. So anyway, I like to remind people of that because, you know, it's, it's antibodies, immune factors, you know, fats for brain development, proteins, carbohydrates, hormones, growth factors, prebiotics that feed the bacteria in the baby's gut. So I just kind of want to give that overview of there's a lot that's changing from, you know, vitamins, micronutrients, all of that, right. To, you know, these really, really big things. Um, and it's the coolest thing ever. So a lot of people like to ask the question, you know, if I'm pumping, if I'm exclusively pumping, then all my baby's probably not getting those same benefits. Yes, they are. And this is what I was saying about, we don't know exactly how the breasts change that breast milk composition, but holding your baby, smelling your baby. I mean, even just looking at your baby, your brain is interpreting so many things using so many senses about your child. And based on that, it is changing what's getting made inside the mammary glands. So the more that you touch your baby, the more that you share an environment with your baby, that you expose yourself to the same microbes and pathogens and things like that, the more that your body can respond and make the things that your baby needs to address, you know, anything in their environment, any deficiencies they might have, anything like that. Even smelling your baby's poop is like a really <laughs> valuable thing. Which we do, right? We're like, do they we think totally you smell it? Let me let me check. <laughs> we smell our that. own poop. So we're definitely smelling yeah. your baby's poop. We right? totally do. Like, <laughs> that's a signal that, you know, this is not a cognitive process going on, right? Your body reads that. And it knows that there's something it needs to do differently with the breast milk. So this is like really emerging science, but it's really, really awesome. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, we could sit here and have like an eight hour lecture and get into the nitty gritty of all of the amazing things and components in breast milk. I mean, the immunoglobins, the leukocytes, you know, there's the white blood cells, like all of the good stuff. I know specifically, so when I was breastfeeding Tyson, like that was actually important because with kidney disease, they're prone to UTIs, urinary tract infection. And breast milk helps that. Like it helps, you know, decrease the amount of UTIs that they can get. And so that's super important for a kid that's retaining urine and, you know, could potentially pass UTI up to the kidney, which impacts, you know, their function, all of that good stuff. So I love reading breast milk research. There's like so much good stuff out there. Um, A lot of it is just, it's, you know, very, um, I think there's less of it you know, when we talk about specific medical complexities, and that's something that I'm really fascinated by, I'm hoping that more comes out. Do you think, the other thing that I want to talk about, because we know that breast milk is always changing, right? We, we were talking about that even changes, like, you know, depending on the baby's age and, you know, impacting like their, their gut and all that stuff. But, you know, breast milk can change and provide different antivirals, antibacterial, antifungal, and even... It probably even dependent on what illnesses are getting passed from baby to mom so that she's providing antibodies through it too. So do you think that the frequency of duration of breastfeeding can impact an illness? Do you think that more breastfeeding is going to help shorten an illness? Or um, is this something that we need more emerging research on? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. 
yeah, it's kind of, uh, how do I even get started on this? Uh, <laughs> that was a loaded question. <laughs> that was a lot. Um, I mean, the more you breastfeed your baby and the longer that you breastfeed, so, you know, the number of months, you know, weeks, days, years, whatever, right? Like the, the more benefits that your baby gets. So that's, we know that across the board, right? That, so if you, if you go on to nurse your child for three years or pump for three years or like your child has so many more immune benefits than a child Mm -hmm. who did not. So, and, and, and when it comes to medically fragile babies, those benefits are, much more important and much more significant than they are for an infant that doesn't have any health or medical complexities. So it's, you know, I, I could give you numerous examples of people I've known, uh, you know, professionals, other La Leche League leaders, right, where um, they've made a very concerted effort to provide breast milk to their child, even if it wasn't through nursing for a very long time, because they had medically complex children, right? And the doctor's we're always reaffirming, you know, how valuable that was. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I mean, even just from the short term too, though, is that there's such a rapid response with what our bodies are doing with our babies. So I, I found the study so I could send it to you if you want to link it up or, or something like that. Yeah. Cause I I've quoted this number so many times, but from the time that a mother is exposed to a specific pathogen in her environment, and she begins to create those antibodies. It takes only four hours for those antibodies to be present in her breast milk for her child. That is fast. That's like That's the coolest cool. thing ever. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so even if you don't nurse for years and years or whatever, right? But like the fact that, you know, I, during COVID, so many moms reached out and were like, you know, I was I was going to wean, but um, I'm thinking I should just keep going. It's probably like a good idea, right? I'm like, yeah, it's a really good idea if you're concerned about COVID because any, if you're exposed, you can create antibodies and you can, those are going to go into your milk. And we don't even, we don't even, you know, this is like before the vaccines or anything, right? Mm-hmm. So, so all of that is so important. And, and it's not even just, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's immunoglobulins, IgA, IgG, IgM, there's antibodies, there's, you know, anti-cancer cells that go and destroy tumors. Like there's stem cells in milk, right? There's all of that. There's anti-inflammatory properties. Um, So, you know, cytokines and, and all of that, like there's, you know, cortisol levels, like things like that. There's, there's a cascade of things that happen when it comes to immune response. So, you know, one of the things, like if you have a, a child who has, you know, they're vomiting or something, right. They have a digestive issue. One of the easiest things for them to digest is going to be breast milk. Yeah. Right. So, um, you don't have to give them Pedialyte because yeah. you're giving them breast milk. So how cool is that? Yeah. So yeah, you I just love to say hydration. it's super important. Yeah, you don't have to worry about hydration, right? Because the electrolytes and everything that they need are going to be in there. You don't have to do something additional, which is really, really cool. Um, and, you know, it's, it's you know, breast milk can be pumped. It can be given via tubes, you know, um, mm-hmm. administered all those other ways, which is really fantastic, too. Yeah. And I think what's really cool, too, is how so many hospitals and, you know, previous and past years and even more so now are pulling in donor milk for NICU babies and how impactful that is because that it can help prevent um, necrotizing endocolitis. And so hopefully I said that right, right? (laughs) Yes, that was good. I'm not going to attempt to repeat it. To repeat that one. Yeah, but that's really actually, it's, it's really important. I mean, they have so much research has proven how beneficial it is for our preemie babies to have breast milk. So 
the fact that even if moms are not able to pump it at that time right after birth, which it can, um, you know, that can be an issue if you've had a preemie baby and your milk doesn't come in right away. Um, you know, that's that's very normal. But hospitals are realizing this is so important. They're pulling in donor milk and providing it for their preemie babies. What would advice would you give to moms who are having premature infants and are in the hospital and needing to get their supply up to pump? You know, they can maybe do a combination of donor milk with their own breast milk. What advice would you give them to keep going? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost is is to understand that no matter how early your baby was born, if they're viable, your body can make milk. Like it's not... I mean, you're, you're making colostrum since around 16 weeks gestation. So, you know, babies born that early aren't really born, right? Like it's, you yeah. know, so, so if you're talking about a 22 weeker, right, you can make breast milk. It's not because they're born early that you can't. So don't let anybody tell you that because sometimes mm-hmm. doctors are not as informed as they need to be. Um, but get, you know, get pumping right away, but learn hand expression too. I think too many moms are relying on pumps. Now, if you're in the hospital and you have, you know, that, that preemie baby, right. And they're, you're, they're going to have a hospital breast pump there, which is going to be the best thing for you to use if you're in that situation, but you have to use your hands. And so I, try to tell moms, get familiar with your breast anatomy during pregnancy because they change. For some moms, that's the first sign that they're pregnant. They're going, ooh, these are really sore. They seem a little bigger lately. And then they go take a test, right? So that breast development happens. Get really familiar with that. Learn how to be gentle to, you know, compress the breast, but don't squeeze it, right? Um, Because you're going to need to use your hands to massage and compress the breast to provide warmth, tactile stimulation, all of that when you're trying to get that early colostrum out before your milk transitions. So you don't want those precious few, you know, couple of milliliter drops to get stuck in Mm -hmm. the pump flange and the parts and all of that. Right. And then you're, you know, trying to get that out and give that to your baby. It's so much easier to hand express in those first few days, but you've got to do it. And you still want to use the pump to provide stimulation because your baby would be latching on in a perfect world. Right. You'd be Mm -hmm. latching on eight to 12 12 to 15, whatever, however many times a day, you need to be giving your body that stimulation to tell it to make the milk. So there's a lot of hormonal feedback loops here that we need to reinforce. So just early and often, pump early and often. And you can create an oversupply in the beginning. We can deal with that later. I know a lot of moms were like, I would much rather have that than, Mm -hmm. you know, but work really closely with a skilled IBCLC. Don't rely on a quote unquote lactation nurse or the pediatrician or the neonatologist. That's not their specialty. They may not have the training you need. You may need to work with someone outside the hospital if they don't have the right person. So I don't want moms to feel like, oh, they don't have the right provider for me here. So I just have to figure it out on my own. No, generally they're happy to work with somebody outside of their system if they don't have the resource you need there. Yeah. And I, I, I love what you said so much. I'm going to reiterate it for everybody <laughs> listening. I'm going to restate it because Go it's for so, it. so good is when you have a premature baby, absolutely. You're going to, you can make milk colostrum. You're going to get that out better hand expression. Once you have transitioned over. Okay. So colostrum hand expression still Use the pump for the additional stimulation, but the pump is going to be more effective when your milk has transitioned from colostrum to mature milk. So you really utilize hand expression in the early days. 
Also, I kind of want to um, double back and also just kind of um, talk about how important doing skin to skin is. Um, and this is going to be really an I want to mention that this is important for preemies. It's important for all babies, but also too, if you have a medically complex baby. So let's say you went to term and you have a medically complex baby. Sometimes our babies have, well, um, health conditions that we can't, we can't exclusively breastfeed, but doing skin to skin is just so beneficial for mom and baby. It's supportive of bringing in your breast milk. It's supportive of when baby is ready to do to latch and to do more exclusive breastfeeding, it helps set the stage. So I kind of want to talk about that a little bit and how great yeah. skin to skin is. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was, you know, my brain sometimes likes to go to worst case scenarios. So I was like, assuming you can't even hold the baby in my examples, but if you can't, but you should still be able to sit next to your baby and pump there. Yeah. Like it's very common for, you know, NICU moms to be able to pump in the NICU next to their babies, yeah. right? Looking at them, all, all of yeah. that kind of stuff. You want to create an association of, yes. you know, having the milk let down with your baby and, and things of that nature. But yeah, skin to skin and advocate for that, right? If you're, if you're, you know, you've done some research, you're like, you know, I should absolutely be able to do kangaroo care with my baby, but the hospital is saying no, like, you know, get a patient advocate involved, right? That kind of stuff. But yeah, the skin to skin is so important for lactation and, you know, what's going into your milk, right? So that's huge. Um, you being in the hospital environment will expose you to the maximum amount of pathogens that you could probably ever be exposed to. So you're going to have awesome antibodies. You definitely want to, you should always wash your hands before you pump, by the way, though. I want to make that really clear. Like, don't purposely surround yourself with the germs. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe wash your hands before and after pumping. Make sure everything's clean and sanitized. Okay. <laughs> yeah, We're not hoping to, you know, yeah. But um, you know, take it all you in. Don't get right? the immune system trial by fire. Let's touch all the yeah. things. No, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> I mean, you can work on yours, just yeah. make sure it's not affecting your babies negatively. Um, but yeah, skin to skin regulates their heartbeats their heart rate, right? Their, their body temperature, their respiratory rate. It regulates a lot of things for you. Um, it helps with all of those hormones that create that bonding between you and your baby um, that help with lactation, right? Help with postpartum mood, which is so important. Mm -hmm. um, and your baby's feeling connected and safe and loved and cared for and all of those things. Skin to skin is so important. And one of the things I would really push for as well is if you are able to, there shouldn't be a reason if you're doing skin to skin and your baby's plenty warm enough, take the hat off their head. Breathing in the scent of your baby, those pheromones do so much for your connection between you and your baby for regulation of all the things. So take the hat off. Now, if they're, you know, swaddled and alone and not being held, yes, you want them to maintain their body heat, but take it off when you're holding them. That scent, which is a magical scent, by the way, if you have not smelled that yet, it's incredible. So okay. yes, very important to smell that. Yeah, I love it. Does breastfeeding help prevent secondary infections? So in older children, you know, do, how, how does the components in breast milk help that? Yes, uh, it does. Um, and, you know, there's still a lot of research yet to be done, right? Mm -hmm. So I love when people kind of misinterpret things and go, well, it says, you know, it, immune benefits up till age two. I'm like, yeah, because they haven't studied it beyond that. <laughs> like, it's not saying that 
your body knows when your child has turned two years old and there's just mm -hmm. no more benefits anymore, right? So a lot of pediatricians are still out there saying, you know, there's no benefits to breast milk after age one. What were you even talking about? Right. It's it's just, like it just magically just disappears. Right. I'm like, that's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Do you know how the dairy industry works? This is so crazy. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, no, I absolutely right there. Your breast milk is going to be responsive to your, to your child's needs, no matter what age, no matter what stage of lactation you're at, no matter if you're, you know, still providing breast milk for one child and now you're pregnant with another, like it's, it's just going to adapt. And the cool thing is, is that let's say, you know, you do have an older child and so breast milk isn't their primary nutrition anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so you're making less breast milk overall your immune factors aren't diminished. They're more concentrated. So there's less of the food component of the milk, but there's still just as much of those immune components of the milk. Yeah. So even small amounts provide a huge benefit. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want anybody who even has like low milk supply um, to think, oh, well, my baby's not getting the same benefits. No, your body's pretty clear on the fact that your child needs as many immune benefits as possible from milk. Um, it's going to assume that if your child's still living and you're still lactating, they're getting some extra nutrition from elsewhere, right? Um, our bodies are really cool like that. So they're not your, there's not less immune factors because you don't have as much supply or because your child's older, because they have some other something going on. Yeah. God, I want to like hone in on that so much because at least in our country and in our society, like in many, many states, like the weaning age is three months and the worldwide weaning age last time I checked was still like four, probably in some parts of the world, four to seven. Definitely do not think that you have to wean at a certain age or that the, you know, um, immune effects diminish, like you said, at a certain age, um, because, you know, obviously if you have a medically complex kids, like, you know, you, you may want to nurse for a long time. And that is one thing that I almost felt like I had to, um, it's weird because I am a lactation consultant, but it's something that I felt like I had to justify to people. I nursed my son until he was four because I knew we had stuff going on and I really wanted to give him as much immunity as I possibly could. And I felt like even, even though that this is what I do, you know, this is what I do for a living. I almost felt like I had to be hush hush about it. And, um, I really don't love, love that for women. I don't love that for mothers. I don't think that we should be hush hush about it. I mean, even if you are listening and your child is not medically complex, you just have a healthy child. Like think about all the immunity, <laughs> all my other kids that I'm sending, when I start sending them to preschool, they are like germ monsters, <laughs> you know? They're all picking their nose and touching each other and all the things <laughs> and then coming home and we're sharing it. So I just, yes. I think that it's so, so, so great to point out the fact that like, we don't hit, it's not like some magical time clock, like, Hey, your kids too. There's no more immune benefit from this breast milk. Cause that's just not the case. It's, it's true. And it doesn't mean that just because you do provide breast milk for a long period of time that your child won't get sick. I don't want people to think that, you and know, um, yeah. yeah. So don't, don't, you know, be, they're, they're going to get sick as children when they're around other, other children. That's the way it works. Mm -hmm. They're, I mean, they kind of have to go through that process. Right. right? That's so, part of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and which means you're going to get sick too, because you haven't been exposed to these things since yep. you were a kid, unless you work 
around the public a lot anyway already, but you're, you're still going to get some things. So, you know, don't, don't think that's not the case, but you know, time and time again, do we see that, you know, children who are getting some breast milk are going to get better faster? Yes. Are they going to have less complications? Yes. Right. So the difference between, you know, getting a mild version of the flu versus a severe version of the flu, right. That, that could be making the difference. Um, and you know, when you're, when you're nursing at those older ages, I, I think people get the wrong idea. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine nursing a three-year-old. Oh, that sounds exhausting. And I'm like, they might nurse once a couple a day. times a day. Yeah. Like they're not. Right. It's not like eventually it's like not every, every day. Three hours. Yeah. yeah. And there's more moms out there that are breastfeeding older kids than you know. Your neighbor mm -hmm. could be doing it and you don't know because they're not talking about it like you were saying, right? Um, but by virtue of what I do, and when people would find that out, they would open up to me like, oh my gosh, I'm still nursing my five-year-old. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, you go girl. That's awesome. And they're like, I can't talk to anyone about this. My family thinks I'm so weird. And I'm like, well, I don't, I think you're awesome. And yeah. that's super cool. So there are more people doing this than you realize. And if you decide to open up to people about it, hopefully it goes well, but you might just encourage others to tell you about it too. So yeah, don't think you're alone in that. You're not weird. Um, it can be really hard to advocate about it. So you want to be careful who you share that information with because why open yourself up to unwanted opinions and advice? But uh, it's more common than we think, especially worldwide, like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Does a mother, if she wants to, um, if her goal is to nurse a little bit more long-term, does she have to do anything special to keep her breast milk up? That's a good question. You're going to worry less and less about that as you keep going. Yeah. Um, w hopefully, women get to the point where they realize, you know, there, there's like comfort and safety in the milk production, right? Like as long as I keep removing the milk regularly and well enough, then it will continue to be made. And the longer that you're lactating, the more time it's going to take for your milk to dry up anyhow. So, you know, your body, just like your breast milk responds to your baby's needs, your breast milk production responds to your baby's needs. So you can artificially inflate that demand by pumping in addition to nursing, right? You can keep it going for a very long time, uh, you know, probably, you know, until you hit menopause and even then some. So if you really wanted, you could do it. Um, but yeah, it's as long as the milk's getting roofed, it's going to be made. So even once you have that final last day of nursing or pumping or what have you, and let's say you went for a year or two years, your milk isn't gone tomorrow, by the way. Um, in fact, for maybe even months later, you can squeeze your breast and get a drop or two out. Um, now, that doesn't mean you're going to get, you know, engorged and all of that, right? Like your body's kind of learned, okay, make less, make less, make less. Um, so it can be hard to increase supply if you've gotten to that point, obviously, but yeah, it's really just supply and demand. If the demand's there, you know, the supply is there and, you know, it can, like I said, just your body's kind of, I don't know, let's say, you know, you're nursing until your child's three, right? And it's like four months later and you're like, I can still squeeze a drop of milk out. You know, your body's like, just making sure, you know, it's been three years, like, but now it's only been four months. So we just want to make sure we should be done. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I tell people it's totally normal, but sometimes it's unexpected and they don't realize that. Yeah. I So you pretty much hit on my next question, which is if you are deciding that, you know, you are ready to wean, 
do you need to do anything special? And does it depend on how frequently you have been nursing and removing milk and where your supply is at? Yes. Uh, it, yeah, it does. I mean, if you're if you're doing this gradual process, which we would call, you know, I mean, baby led weaning is kind of the term we use for solid foods, right? But is it mother led or is it, you know, child led, right? So, you know, if you're letting your child lead the way and it's just kind of a natural progression, no, you don't have to do anything special. They're just naturally going to phase it out over a long period of time. Um, we don't ever recommend rapid weaning ever anyway, because that puts your health at risk. Um, so the, you know, most rapid that we'd ever want someone to wean would be like a two week period. And you should be working closely with an IBCLC and following a specific protocol for that. Otherwise, you know, it's going to take place over the course of, you know, several weeks, um, you know, give it a month or two, maybe, where you do want to make sure it's gradual, because not only do you want to prevent things like clogged ducts and mastitis, you know, if you are nursing or pumping frequently, you know, you can't just cold turkey it. I don't even really recommend that people just cut out nursing or pumping sessions right away either, depending on where they're at. It's better to decrease the length of time that you're removing the milk. So if your child's normally nursing for 10 minutes, cut it down to five, right? Um, There's strategies you can use to do that. Same with pumping before you go ahead and phase out that milk removal session. And then your milk production is typically highest in the morning hours and then decreases later on in the afternoon, early evening. So you definitely don't want to start phasing out the sessions when your milk production is highest because that's going to put you at the most risk of, you know, clogged ducts, mastitis, engorgement, all those things. Um, So phasing out the ones where it's going to be easier, you have lower milk production levels, you know, like nighttime feedings, that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, I usually tell people, you know, it's really great to work with somebody and create that weaning plan. So that way you have a timeline, you know what to expect. You can check in with somebody if something seems like it's not right. It's not moving along fast enough, right, or um, all of that. But the other thing to keep in mind with weaning is that even if it's something that you just let your child lead the way and they naturally wean or you're kind of pushing this along, you will get some changes in hormones. And this is usually very surprising for moms. So they, you know, I think by virtue of the fact that they are weaning, you're, you're going to be a bit emotional about it, right? Mm-hmm. Even though you're like, I'm so done, but it's bittersweet, right? Because you're like, oh, this might be their last time, you know, and you get a little teary-eyed about it, right? Um, but when you don't have those same hormones uh, in place for lactation, your mood can shift. You can be a bit more sad, a bit more teary, right? Kind of a little bit PMSy, if you will. Um, and so a lot of people are really taken aback by that. Just, you know, find someone that you can talk to to process your emotions around that. Be really gentle with yourself, right? Nothing's wrong. This is just, you know, it'll go away. But that's why you don't want to wean super rapidly unless you really have to, usually for a medical reason. Because if you create a huge drop in those hormones, you can get super depressed. And that's not a good place to be. So you do want to be careful for those reasons too. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up too, because I wanted to talk about how emotional that the whole, like from start to finish breastfeeding is, you know what I mean? And like the range of emotions is just, I mean, you you can't even like put a meter on it because, you know, you can be going from this is a struggle to I love it so much to like anywhere in between and like the hormone fluctuations. And one thing that I want to kind of say about it is sometimes when you have a sick child and we always, and this is just like any, like any bout of illness, right? Like you feel so, so much for your baby. Like you feel like 
you wish that you could take their discomfort from them. Or if you have a medically complex child, like you wish that you had some modicum of control over that situation. And in reality, we have none. We don't, we can't control it. And so sometimes being able to offer breast milk in any capacity, like even if it's in the bottle, is just our way of saying we're doing our part to kind of make yeah. this situation better. And um, there's a lot of emotions involved in that, you know, um, and a lot of it is like, you know, it, it's so complex, you know, because you're, you're grateful that you can do it, um, but it might become difficult, you know, and it might become a struggle. And then it might become something that you shoot for every day. You're like, this is, this is the highlight of my day. So, and, and then when you get to the point where you're ready to wean, like you're, you're there all over again, where you're, you know, you, you could be experiencing all kinds of emotions, like, wow, this is, this is done. I made it this far, or I mean, what, you know, whatever, whatever you're feeling. So I like that what you also recommended for people was to take time to process that because wherever you are on that spectrum or in that journey, it's like, it's going to be emotional and you can, it's okay to feel the feelings that you're having and process it is important. And if you need to reach out to talk to somebody that's can be really helpful. Yeah, so, and I would just say too that celebrating your accomplishments, even if you feel like you didn't reach your goals or whatever it is, yeah. like, but you still did something that. really amazing is so important. So I know some moms will do breast milk jewelry keeps. I was just or, thinking of that. I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Find some way or just, you know, maybe it's doing something nice for yourself. Go get a massage or yeah. whatever, but like really, truly celebrate what you've done because it's, that's a really big deal. Not only does your body carry a baby and somehow get that baby out of your body, but now it's made milk for this baby and child. And like, that's a really big deal. So yeah, I just wanted to say like, really do celebrate it because it's great for emotional reasons, but you deserve it. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I mean, like I kind of geek out and I think, you know, you can relate to this, but I geek out about how cool women's bodies are that here we have grown yes. a baby and then now we are feeding a baby and then we're not just giving them nutrition, but we're giving them all of these antiviral, uh, antivirals, antifungals and all that great stuff. Human growth hormone, all the things. Yeah. Um, human body, like uh, women's bodies are like awesome. <laughs> I get really excited really? about it. So absolutely celebrate yourself, whatever your milestone is, whether it's like, I made it to the first nursing session or I made it to the million. That's it's amazing. It's a great accomplishment. Jacqueline, thank you so, so much for um, chatting with me today. I absolutely love it. Um, you have a podcast yourself and it is so good. So you've been doing it for a while. Can you tell me and tell our listeners where we can listen to your podcast? Um, you know, um, what days you air, all that kind of good stuff. Give me the details. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you were on the podcast. So you have to go <laughs> listen to Megan's episode. But yeah, it's called Breastfeeding Talk. And you can find it on, you know, Apple, Spotify, any of the podcast platforms. And we've been on a little break from it. Um, I have episodes recorded. I just haven't, you know, had them edited and whatnot, actually. So my podcast editor had a, her second baby. Oh, so like, congrats. Well, you know, taking a step back and what have you. And she just emailed me the other day and was like, I noticed you haven't published any new episodes. And I'm like, yeah, it's really 
hard to do this all on my own. And I interviewed other people and they just didn't seem very good. So anyway, probably since at the time of recording this, we're at the end of the year, um, we'll just plan to like start doing new episodes again and the new year in the new year. So there's plenty. We've got over 100 episodes, but usually they're weekly. So if you're listening to this a little bit later on, hopefully we're back to those weekly episodes now for people. That's amazing. You know, like, and again, listen, like you're a podcast editor, editor, she just had her new baby and like, talk about like women doing all the things, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Super moms, super work, like, you know, super passionate, super workers. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I also, can you please tell us, because you are like, you know, mom, woman, mompreneur extraordinaire. Not only do you have your business, Holistic Lactation, and your podcast, but you also have, you know, designed your own lactation supplement. So I want to hear about it. I want to share it with people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, you know, Facebook has the memories feature and I swear I don't go on Facebook for anything except for that. <laughs> I don't scroll my feed yeah, to see what yeah. it is up to. <laughs> if, it's, if you're the first post and I saw it, great. Um, but I just don't. And so... Um, anyway, I go on there every day and I check my memories and, uh, three years ago, I think it was three years ago. Yeah. was when I announced that we were coming out with our first supplement, and I shared the story about how I created it. So, um, we have two now, uh, but it started with the advanced lactation formula, which is really for milk supply. And it was, gosh, I don't know, it probably took me a few years before between the time I, you know, first got the idea or inclination till Mm -hmm. it actually happened. But I got really good at knowing which herbs and which amounts to recommend to my clients for milk supply. And, you know, they'd come to me, you know, I'm taking this, I'm taking that. I tried this, I'm trying that. I'm like, how's that working? They're like, "Mm, I don't think it's making a difference or my supply decreased or, you know, whatever, right? Or it worked, Um, but then it stopped working or, you know, so through research and a lot of clinical experience, right? I tried out various different combinations. But then, you know, if you're telling somebody to take three, four, five herbs, you know, and take, you know, this many milligrams of this one, this many milligrams of this one, I think we can all relate to mom brain and it's so real, right? So they'd come back for their follow-up and I'm like, so are you taking the supplements? And I realized I had to be really specific with them. They're like, oh, I was only taking 200 milligrams. You meant 2000? I'm like, yeah, um, that's why you're not seeing a difference. And even though I typed it up and emailed it to them, like, you know, they have- There's a lot going on and they're not sleeping. (laughs) Right? So they're like, it would be so cool if you made your own supplement. And I was like, oh, hi, I don't do that. Like, that's a cool idea, but no. And then finally, you know, eventually I did. So came out with that one, which has been really awesome. Um, You know, lots of moms have, you know, told us over the years, right? You know, I've tried everything and nothing worked and this was the thing. Um, So that's really cool. And then we came out with, I guess it's been about a year now with the lactation flow formula, which is really more for like engorgement, clogged ducts, mastitis, Mm -hmm. both just, you know, avoiding those things altogether. Or if you have those problems going on, right, you can take that. So it's, um, it's different than most people take sunflower lecithin for that kind yeah. of stuff, but it's actually, um, it has a probiotic that is the most recommended for mastitis. It's been studied. Um, so it's a very specific probiotic strain. Um, and then it's got turmeric and curcumin, which is, you know, the concentrated anti-inflammatory bit within turmeric. Um, and then it's got choline, which is 
the component of lecithin that is helpful with clearing clogged ducts and keeping that milk flowing because um, lecithin can cause some digestive issues for a lot of people. So we've got that one too. And then, yeah, more to come, but that's what we have for now. I love that. Actually, so you guys think that we were almost done, but you said something I really wanted to <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to touch on that. So talk to me about recurrent mastitis and your gut microbiome and mm -hmm. how possibly what you've designed has, has helped with that because that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, one of the, one of the bigger risk factors for mastitis is when you've been given antibiotics, um, during your labor. So if you had a C-section, you definitely got them, um, just, you know, standard course, right. Any kind of major surgery, you're going to be given antibiotics. Um, and then, you know, if you're a group B strep positive or who knows, right. So there's other reasons why you might've had them. Um, so already your microbiome's taken that hit, right. And now you're going through this postpartum recovery, which is a really big deal. Your body's trying to heal tissues that have torn and grown and stretched in size. So the gut micro, you know, Bio, microbiome is not maybe the utmost priority right at that moment. So there's a lot, right? You've got inflammation going on, all the things. Now for your average healthy person, not a big deal. They, you know, over time kind of, you know, get back to a good baseline. For a lot of people though, they can stay in a state of more inflammation, right? Um, you can, you know, not have that right microbiome balance because you've gotten those antibiotics that's knocked out a lot of the good stuff for you and you're not getting those replenished through food or other probiotics. And we know probiotic strains matter, right? So, you know, this one does X, this one does Y. So there's, you know, various ones, right? There's specific probiotics that are in your breast milk that are for babies. Um, and so all, all breast milk has certain ones. Um, so it's really important that you make sure you get the right ones to work on the right issues. But then if you're adding something like lecithin to the mix that causes gut inflammation, you're going to need to be taking that longer term. And you're kind of like, it's you're, you're creating inflammation and then you're like trying to combat it and you're creating it and you're trying to combat it. And it's like this back and forth and moms are taking mega doses and then they're having runny stools mm -hmm. and stomach cramps and their babies are having diarrhea. Like it's just this whole cascade of issues. Whereas if we work on the inflammation, we know turmeric is really powerful for mastitis. We know a certain strain of probi probiotics is really effective for that. But if you can get to the root and just tamp down that inflammation add in some good, you know, gut bacteria, right? Um, theoretically, you don't need to take it long-term because you've addressed the problem. So that's probably not the best business decision on my part that if you don't have to keep buying it over and over again. But that was kind of my whole impetus between, you know, behind creating products was like, I'm tired of moms trying things that don't work. They take them long-term. Like you shouldn't be taking the same probiotic month after month after month after month. You should be switching it up or you should be making sure you have the right strains to begin with. Don't just buy whatever random probiotic on the shelf. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a lot I could say about that. I totally nerd out on the science of all these things, but yeah, recurrent clogged ducts and things generally, you know, you can create that through, you know, improper milk removal, but most of the time it's inflammation. Yeah, that's, I mean, I hope everybody listening heard that. Um, that was so, so good, you know, it's, it's, especially because you are so open and frank about it. And you're like, look, you know, we need to be taking the supplements that are right for our bodies and not just the same thing over and over again, that you're trying to fix one problem and you're causing three others. 
So like, re- really good information for moms to tune into. I love it. I could probably sit here all day and just geek out with you over <laughs> breastfeeding and all of this really great science behind it. But I don't want to take up any more of your time. I'm so appreciative of you being here. Uh, for everybody that's listening, you can listen to tune into Baby Roaring and Breastfeeding Nurturing Miracles every week on Tuesday. Jacqueline, when 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 you guys get up and going, what day do you? We're usually Wednesdays, so Wednesday. everyone can listen to your podcast first, okay. and then you can come back the next day for mine. I love it, Mamas. You hear that? You should definitely do it. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. This has been so good. Thank you, Jacqueline. You're the best. Thanks, Megan. So are you. Thank you all for joining us on today's episode of Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding, Nurturing Miracles. I hope you found our discussion enlightening and that you leave feeling supported and empowered. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. Tune in next week for more insights and conversations that connect us all in the shared experience of parenting. Until then, take care and cherish every miracle with your little ones.